This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. As a young boy, Robert Mora dreamed of playing in the NBA. That never happened. Instead, he found himself photographing the best players in the NBA just a couple years after being out of high school. Not bad for a kid who only spent less than one year at Art Center. You know, the, the self-taught thing is um, it's misleading to them because they feel like it's an accomplishment, but they've been showing their self-taught work on social media and they get the gratification from it. So if you're a popular person or if you've shared something popular and you get, you know, a thousand likes, then you're like, that's, that's your validation, you know? And you, and you think, oh, well, my work must be good because, you know, I've got a thousand likes on this image and, you know, so it just feeds, adds fuel to it. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Oscar winners, cut men, and photographer Bill Alcroffer. And one of my memories of him is like I'd been there for two weeks, mm-hmm. and there was a spot news situation, and the dead body was lying in the middle of the street. There's SWAT officers and stuff. He was covered up, the bad guy. And uh, it was like maybe two weeks into it, front page, and Weinberger comes up to me, and he goes, great photo. He pulled out his own wallet and gave me $10. He gave me $10. It's like... <laughs> I'm obviously still touched by that, you know? Yeah, just just said, you know, thanks. And here's $10, you know? And it's like, it cost him $10, but I have a loyalty to that man to, you know, to this day. Let's have a quick break for our sponsor before diving into part one of my conversation with Robert Mora. Robert, thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me, man. It's really good to be here with you talk to you and catch I, up. I know. This is actually nice to sit in front of another photographer without a camera in our hands. Yeah. You know? I know. Just be like regular adults. Yeah. And it's like, because usually <laughs> when we see each other, we're, we're working and we have right. like obligations that we're trying to, you know, meet, but also still catch up and how's it going? What, you know, what have you been doing? Yeah. How's, how's everything going? We don't have credentials on our necks. So yeah. we're like kind of real human beings. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we just need some beer and a popcorn and a game. Yeah. That I would, mean, yeah, it would be so dope. When was the last time you actually were a a fan at a game? Um, man, it's been a long time. <laughs> the look on your face, yeah, it a has A long been. time. Like, you know, people ask me if I still go to Laker games, and I'm like, ah, it's just sitting there not being on the on the court is is not something I can, you know, That, and comprehend. I can't afford it. Yeah, that too. That's insane how much it costs to... I, when I realize I can't reimburse the parking i'm like yeah, yeah i'm good yeah you don't want to pay that 30 dollar <laughs> parking fee you know um yes and we've been spoiled courtside so it doesn't work when you're way up high yeah exactly it's not like and then you, you're you're like looking at the game a different way you're not really watching you're thinking about oh that was a great shot that was a great moment right. or, or you know like oh, do they have a rail cam up yeah yeah <laughs> oh that would have been great from the overhead but i think the last game honestly i think the last game i went to was with um like as a fan was with my dad. It was a uh, Notre Dame um, versus I think Navy in San Diego. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So it was my. It was actually my first college football game that I'd ever been to. Wow. So, yeah. So that was that was a few years ago, man. Like, That's a good one though. Yeah. The so. powers of the Catholics and the you know Naval Academy. Yeah. I was like, oh, is this what people do in the crowd? Like, <laughs> you know, like people are yelling. You know, people are you know like 
they score a touchdown and they do these things. It's yeah. So where did your dad raise you guys? Uh, in Highland Park in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have a good childhood. You have siblings, brothers, sisters. So I was an only child until I was 16. And then, uh, my mom and and her husband had uh, a son. Okay. And then a few years later they had another one. And then, um, on my dad's family, I had a, um, stepbrother okay. uh, when he remarried. And then I have a half brother from uh, him and his wife. All right. You got to keep up with all those birthday cards. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot, but yes, yeah, so I was, I was an only child for, for a good portion, but you know, I'm glad that I have uh, brothers. That's a so. long time to be an only child. Then all of a sudden, you know, kids sprung upon you. Yeah, man. It's like, I mean, you know, 16, you're setting your ways at that point. You're a yeah. full fledged teenager. Exactly. You know, you're getting into trouble, chasing girls, riding skateboards. Oh man. So the thing is, is my, my wife, she'll totally be like, why are you this way? Why are you this way? Like, dude, I was an only <laughs> child right. for until I was 16. So like, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be, you know, doing what I want to mm-hmm. do, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, you control the remote control. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You're going to watch it or play Nintendo because this is how it was. Like you didn't share anything. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah, it's 100%. That's yeah. the way it is. You know, <laughs> she has a hard time with that, but you know, she has siblings. Right. She was a child, so she she just can't comprehend it. Right. Yeah. Were you were you same I way? was an I was an only child up until when my mom remarried when I was 8. So same way. Okay. Half year 8, but I was an only child. So yeah. I did whatever I wanted. Yeah. It was great. It was fun. Oh man, it's like you're in just me and my house. mom. Just, you know, <laughs> as cool as can be, you know, and it was yeah. the 70s. So what the hell it was oh, good man. time. Yeah. No, I, I hear you on that. On the seventies, it was like, yeah, it was one of the golden eras. When did you find photography? Did you find it young as early sixteens? I was 16. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, and I don't know if you were the same way, um, like playing sports when you were young, but, um, I thought I was going to play in the NBA. Of course you did. You know, I wanted sure. to play in the NBA. <laughs> and so the first step was high school basketball when I was a freshman. And, um, at the time I wasn't really the best student. And okay. so my, uh, best friend was like, Hey, um, you know, for your elective, you should take photography because it's an easy A. And I was like, Oh really? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that course. <laughs> and, um, now, was I, photography around the house at this point? Did dad no. or mom, anybody take pictures? No. Uncles, cousins? So. No, I had family, you know, okay. family that would take pictures and, you know, with whatever camera. But we there didn't. wasn't that one uncle who was like, I got a brand new Vivitar. And, no, okay. no. I mean, we had maybe like the, um, like the, the Polaroid cameras right. or the, um, do you remember the 110 style mm-hmm. ones? Yep. We would have some of those. Right, with a little cube on top. You look like a little spy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah those kinds of cameras, but never like a, like a legit camera, okay. like a, you know, But Canon those were consumer A1. cameras, though. That's yeah. what everybody had. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and so they'd be around, but it was never like... Thrusted ph- upon you. Like- photography was never really like, you know, a regular part of, of life. But so fell in love with the class. Um and as it turned out, I became more infatuated with doing photography than playing basketball. Uh-oh. You know, in addition to realizing, like, okay, like, I'm not as good as I thought. Like, I'm actually, uh, you know, I wasn't even a starter. <laughs> um, a boy can have dreams. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> it was nice to... to to dream about it and stuff, but like once it really hits you that you're <laughs> yeah. not that good, it's kind of so. Um, wasn't 
into sports so much shooting in high school. It okay. was more just portraits, portraits, portraits. And interesting. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. that's the, that's the one kind of less because that's very engaging with somebody. Yeah. And young photographers don't do that well. Yeah. They get nervous. Yeah. It, 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 it was probably the, the, I would say one of the things that, um, helped me come out of my shell a little bit okay. because you did have to sort of direct people and tell, you know, your classmates what you were thinking about <laughs> doing as weird as it may have seemed right. at the time. But, uh, my high school photography teacher was really just such a great mentor to me. And he was like, that's, okay, like, that's fantastic. Yeah. He, he let me, um, those were the days of the dark room oh. when you would go in and, and make prints and watch that magic rise yeah, out of the there. developer and, and, you know, different kinds of papers to have the different kinds of contrast. Did and you really text. take to that? Was that, yeah, was that I magic to you? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think that's where kids get hooked immediately is the dark room. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I think it's an art that's a little bit, um, it's sad that nowadays everything is on your device right. and you don't have the, the print as much anymore because that's really brings it to life sure. when it's real, when it's yeah. on your screen, it just exists in your phone. And when it's a print, it's, it's alive, it's in reality. Um, but going through, um, the photography course, you know, he was like, feel free to come in and print when you want and, you know, develop your film and do those sort of sorts of things. And, um, do you think he saw something? I think he did. Yeah. He was, he was very, um, he was very good about letting me develop creatively. Okay. But also he said, look, um, if you want to be better, here's what you need to focus on. You need to start doing some of these things. And he would let me go and assist for him on portrait jobs and stuff that he would do. Wow. Who was this? Uh, his name's Ellis Kaufman. Okay. Yeah. He was, um, the photography instructor at Eagle Rock high school. And then he, um, he actually, um, ended up moving on to, um, LAOSD for a while and, um, being in charge of uh, a lot of things over there. Interesting. But while he was there, you know, he saw that, that one summer I just like grabbed Ansel Adams books and started reading them. And when I came back the next semester, he was like, Oh, you, you're really into this. Like you're probably going to want to start thinking about a career in this. And I said, Oh man, like I would really love that. It'd be Had amazing. you even thought of that at that point that there was a career in this so-called photography? N not so much, but I, I saw that Ansel Adams had such a great success and, you know, I thought, well, maybe that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to sell prints or whatever. Right. But, um, he said, well, if you really, if you're really serious, there's a college that's right by here that is one of the best in the world. It's art center college. And so he turned me on to that. And when he told me about that, that became my focus. I want to get into art center. I want to get into art center. And what um, year are you at this point? Junior? That, that was my sophomore year. Sophomore year. Sophomore year in high school. That's focus. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, well, it's really hard. You know, you're really going to have to do a lot of work. And so I did. And, um, you know, by the time I was a senior, I applied, they accepted me and, and it was, it, it was awesome. I mean, and like I said, I, I was into portraits. I said, oh, I'm going to do portrait photography and I'm going to be, you know, did you tour the campus? Did you go and check yeah, it out? I had looked, I had definitely been there. I, took, you uh, think? I loved it. I loved it. I was just the whole vibe with 
all the different departments, the product design, the graphic design, the art direction, the uh, video, everything. Well, it wasn't video, it was more film. Right. Um, but I did a, a program called Saturday High. And that's when I, um, I really kind of got to see like, wow, like, like there's a whole nother level that I don't even understand of like how talented photographers can be. Right. You're just scratching the surface yeah, at that point. Yeah. And the person who was, um, in charge of that Saturday high program, his name, um, is Neil France. Um, and when he was there doing it, he was doing stuff for like spin magazine and, you know, getting stuff in billboard and all these things. And then that to me was like, Oh, that's that's where it's at like i want to get published in like billboard or <laughs> right you know you just thought like oh editorial that's that's where it's at and sure so that became it's my sexy. focus yeah you know and and you just think everybody sees that and everybody mm -hmm. you know comes to respect you from being in that and you know little do they tell you like oh editorial is not really like <laughs> editorial is not really that you know it's, it's great for exposure but yeah, like if you want to get paid, like you want to be doing advertising, you right. want to be doing like commercial Corporate work. It's where the money's at. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So but you're never seen. That's the thing. You know, yeah. nobody's names on you're that anonymous. Ad. Yeah. You're, you're anonymous. Right. And, um, you know, I think as a young person, that's kind of different because you have a little bit of, a, of an ego Sure. and you want to have your you name see on that stuff. by Robert Moore on the, yeah. right there on the sleeve, little sliver. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. And I always thought that that was like what you did it for, you know, like to, to have your name and you were, you know, that was your sort of ticket to being famous and, sure. you know, having a success, successful career. Um, but yeah, then you, then you just learn, you, you know, you grow up and stuff and, um, you realize the checks are a lot bigger on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And at, uh, I would say, you know, I started going to art center. Um, I, actually had to wait because I couldn't afford it. It was so expensive. Right. So I ended up getting accepted, but having to wait. Now, did you get better in high school as a student? Did you like start to bear down and realize, okay, I got to get my act together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty focused on what I was doing. Like I spent, you know, I didn't go out on Friday nights or whatever. Like I was, there was a, a community dark room mm -hmm. where I lived and I would spend my Friday nights there, my weekday nights there. I would go in there. Like it was like, I don't know, you pay like, you know, $90 for like a term for right. three months or something. And you had the whole place. And you can go in the dark room. You just had to bring your own materials. And yeah. so that's all I would do is just make prints and, you know, develop film. And, and that's how I spent my, a lot of my free time. What are you shooting you know? on at this point? Uh, Canon AE-1 program. I remember yes. it. Um, I bought a uh, Yashica twin lens. Okay. So I was shooting um, uh, 120 was so film. simple back then. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, like that, and that was the thing is that I'm a student. It's I couldn't go out and buy 45 rolls of film. No. So you had to be very deliberate about what you were shooting. Do you miss those days? I do. Yeah, I really do. Because like you're saying, it's, it's a lot slower, right? You just ha had to, had to really be on point about what you were doing. Well, you were absolutely in the moment. Yeah. You had to be. Yeah. Cause it cost you a pennies every time you took that photo. Exactly. Exactly. And now it's just so easy. Like you can just, 
you know, you can not, practice to your heart's content. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't cost you, you know, anything but that initial investment. Right. Um, and then, you know, like you were saying, like that magic of watching Ugh. a print develop and come out and the little nuances of when you would make a mistake in that mm-hmm. print. Right. And whether it was the filter, or the you, paper. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd, you'd see something like, you know, like it's so bright in this area. I, I didn't, I didn't think about burning that area in. So then you would do that. And then, you know, which to me, because you would do that, spend the time doing that on one photo, it makes you better looking at photos, you know, nowadays, because, you know, you're, you're still looking at those things as a different process, right? but your brain has been trained to look at those images and say like, oh no, that highlight is too much. Like that needs to come down or, you know, or these shadows need to come up a little bit or, um, yeah, just different things like that. If you close your eyes, can you still smell that dark room? Yeah. I miss that yeah. smell as fixer. bad as it is. The fixer, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, I miss that. <laughs> I miss putting on my apron and having my little tools yeah. for dodging and burning. I miss having that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, uh, I had this canvas apron that I had with me to just keep that stuff off my clothes. And I had it for years. Yeah. And it, and it had the smell, right? Yes. Cause you'd get fixer on it. And, and it would be forever. It. Yeah. And my mom would not want me to wash it cause she didn't want that in her washer yeah. and dryer. So I had to go to a laundry mat cause she didn't want that thing anywhere near really? that. Because that stuff was just poison. Yeah, there was a lot of weird chemicals on, the, oh, yeah. on those things. And I think it was the um, the stop bath mm. had a little bit of weird oh, yes. things in yeah. it. Um, yeah. But Hanging I mean, my film in the dryer, just listening to that hot fan and the paper flitter. I, I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, it's it, the thing is at Art Center, you still do go through those things. You sure. still do do it which is good. I think everybody, if you're really serious about photography, like you should. Absolutely. You know, but it's funny because, um, you know, people nowadays are like, oh, I got this film camera and I'm going to shoot this film camera. And it's like, it's a novelty, you know, to do it. It's just, it's like a, like, oh, look at this. It's like having a, um, a record player. Uh Like, you know, people, people will, will go and shoot film, but what do they end up doing? What they end up scanning it. Right. You know what I mean? Like digitizing <laughs> exactly. it and then, you know, manipulating it. And it's like, well, you know, you should really print it. Like, yeah. you know, like make a print. Yeah. I understand you want to share it on social media, but you should print it. Like you should see the actual print and, you know, be involved with that. I but. think there's nothing more beautiful than a contact sheet. Looking oh, at a contact yeah. sheet, even if it's like a 110, you know, and just mm-hmm. there's only like maybe nine or a whole one or, you know, 35 and looking at them all. Yeah. And looking at that and seeing your red outline, well, that's the one you picked or the ones that got checked off. Like, yeah. I've actually started to make prints of my contact sheets that I've kept oh, and really? framed those because it's more interesting to yeah. look at that little 36 frame process. Yeah, yeah, and that series because it's kind of the, the story of, right. of what you were shooting. Yeah, I agree 100%. I wish there was a way to to really, like, do that nowadays where you can, you know, I mean, I know you can, it's, you know, like, it's not easy, but you'd have to get a scanner, scan it, make a print, all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be, if by the end of this podcast, we could figure out a way to do it. Oh man. That'd be the next thing I know. Yeah. (laughs) Make, make it, make that app free and then, you know, charge people for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I miss that. It's sad. All those chemicals, but I miss that. Yeah. It was a good, um, 
it, it's really good to have that as part of your education, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. You know, because it's... Slow down. Yeah, it's, it's cool and nostalgic for us, but it's also like very, you know, it does teach you that like there are steps and rules and disciplines that you need to have in order to, to make the image that you want. You know, now, yeah, I think nine out of 10 photographers that spend time in the dark room now Mm -hmm. are better photographers. I agree. There's always that one that's going to be great, but it, because of the slowdown process, you'll be better. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. It's, um, it's something that I wish, I mean, it's hard because, you know, you don't have to go to school now. No, you know, like you you can, you can get a great education on creative live or Skillshare or one of the various sites, but that's not going to make you do printing. That's not going to make you do developing. You're going to have to want to do that on your own. Right. But whereas somewhere, somewhere like art center, it's like, Oh no, that's part of your curriculum. You have to do that. You know? So you're not going to just get to go straight to fashion 101. Right. So how um, long did you wait a year till you got in? I did wait a, a year. Um, was that grueling that year? Um, well, actually, it was maybe like about two, because there's three terms a year. Okay. So it was probably about two terms, and then I think in the third, the third one, I was able to go in. But um, it wasn't too bad because I did some assisting. Okay. Um, I did that, and then um, you know, it, it's really more so just staying on top of your photography and finding things to shoot and stuff like that. But. I remember going into it feeling a little bit better about where I was as opposed to being in high school, coming out and going straight in. Because I did go to the orientation. Okay. I had actually, you know, started the process, but at, um, right before the first class started, um, I pulled out because I was like, you get there and they tell you, okay, well, here's what, here's what it's going to cost. Like you need to, you need to have a four by five camera. And if you're not going to have a four by five camera, that's okay. But you're going to have to rent one from us. Right. So there were all these costs, which I didn't anticipate. And so that's why I ended up pulling out. And how much was it? Do you think back then, if you look, you can remember. Um, I, I think back then it was like 7,000 per term. Okay. Plus the materials, which were probably like another, maybe like 3,500 or something. It's a good chunk of money. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, especially like if you're just kind of depending on your parents to right. help you do it. Um, and the thing is, is a lot of the people that were there at the time were older and they had already had jobs. They already had a little bit more life, life experience. Yeah, it wasn't so many like young high school kids. And they had told me that. They said, well, you know, we really don't accept a lot of high school students because a lot of people that come here already have gone through some college. And I was like, oh, why? It seems kind of seems kind of weird. But no, there was a lot of older, I mean, I wouldn't, not older, like in their 30s, but like mid-20s. Way to, older than an 18-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, there's so, a big difference if you're 29 and 18. Exactly, yeah. And so, you know, people with, that were there with life experience and, you know, were living, you know, off campus. There were people all over the, coming from all over the world, you know, so they were paying rent somewhere and they were, you know, that to me was foreign, you know, because sure. I was living with my parents, you know, and so, um, 
to me, it's just kind of like, oh, how are they affording to, to do all this? You know? <laughs> how do they do this crazy thing? Yeah. But um, so I went back and, you know, um, it was a it, it was a good thing because I had more life experience and I, you're learning all the basics and all the simple stuff. Um, but as I continued to go on, those costs continued to come up and I was like, OK, well, I can't do this straight. So, um, the, um, my second semester there, I was going to apply for a scholarship and I was shooting portraits, but, you know, finally I had mixed the love of basketball and portraits. So I was just shooting these basketball players, just doing portraits, random basketball players, yeah, just some people, local park or yeah, just people that I, that I knew that played and I would take them to these locations and I would shoot these just really weird out of focus photos of them, you know, like, um, just different things that I, that I thought were interesting. And mm -hmm. I made a, made a portfolio out of it. And the chairman at the time, Tim Bradley, um, saw that, uh, scholarship portfolio and he came to me and he said, well, he said, you know, we had a lot of great applicants and you know, like we can give you some money, but we can't give you enough. Um, he said, do you know who, uh, Andy Bernstein is. And I was like, of course I know who Andy Bernstein is. Like, I mean, all of his posters were on my wall. Growing <laughs> right. up. Like, I yeah. saw his little name, his little sliver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, we went to school together. I know him. Maybe, you know, given the work that you do, maybe I can give you an introduction. So I was like, oh yeah, that would be, that would be incredible. And so he connected me to Andy. He called Andy and said, Hey, I have the student that, um, I think it might be really good to help you out. And um, he gave me Andy's number, which, you know, Andy was probably like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. So I like <laughs> bugged him. I like, bugged him. And those are the days of having an answering machine, not yeah. a cell phone voicemail. Yeah. Man, I must have left him like 45 messages on his, on his machine. And um, so finally he, he was like, oh yeah, you know, like let's meet up. We met up for lunch one time and and he said, well, you know, I have an assistant, you know, but if I have something I can use a second assistant, I'll, I'll, um, give you a shout. And so he did. And I just, you know, got myself in there and started becoming his second assistant. And, um, that's when I like really started to learn stuff, really started to learn right. stuff was assisting. It's uh, warp like speed at that him. point. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's real, real world experience. Mm -hmm. It's night and day to a classroom. Exactly. Like the pressure's on, like you gotta, you gotta deliver. There's, there was sometimes it was kind of shocking because, you know, he would be very direct and say like, you gotta do this right now. And you're kind of there as a, as a young person just used to sort of doing things on your own time. Your, and you're your like, pace with a basketball portrait. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and you know, it was just, it was incredible. It was amazing. And then, um, you know, Garrett was his main assistant mm -hmm. at the time, Garrett Elwood. And, um, you know, not too long after that is, uh, you know, Garrett decided to take the job at Charlotte and then, um, yeah. And he, that's when he gave me my opportunity to, to be his first. And so that was the, that's the progression of how everything right. kind of came along. And that then, first, that first job you do with him, what is that like? You got butterflies, you're nervous. What's happening in your stomach? Oh man, I was a mess to be honest with you. <laughs> You're I was supposed a, to be. I was a mess. Yeah. Um, the first, the first job that it was, and I actually have, 
photos of it because it was um, it was for I want to say like Spalding or some company or or something where he was going to shoot um, these NBA players um, and it was going to be um, stripped out and, and used um, with uh, players were kind of profiled and they okay. had their hand on the shoulder of a player in front of them. So what Andy needed to do was he needed to shoot Shaquille O'Neal sitting profile with his hand up, you know, and they were going to cut it out and, you know, put, put a, a Hakeem Olajuwon right. or somewhere. Right. And so I had to stand in and, you know, just stand there and have play Shaq. Akeem. Yeah. I had to play Hakeem <laughs> and I had to, you know, I had to just, that was my responsibility besides helping him set up the lighting and all that. And this is done at the forum under one of the, you know, bleachers somewhere. Right. Um, you know how those things go. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, like you got to set it up here. And, um, smells like beer and dirty popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the most pleasant. Yeah. And so that was really my first kind of experience around a, a major athlete or a major star. And, um, yeah, Shaq decided he wanted to spit on my head. <laughs> for that for that shot um he you know him and andy obviously have this relationship where you know like andy's this guy he's a jokester he mm-hmm. takes photos of of shaq being a character and so i'm standing there and just you know shaq's got his shoulder and then all of a sudden i just hear this little and i'm like what is that and then you know andy's laughing and his people are laughing and I'm like, what is going on? Right. And you're trying to be, yeah, I'm trying to be like, like Shaquille O'Neal is right here. Like, this is insane. Like, what is my life? (laughs) And, um, and he's laughing. And then, you know, the shoot was only like, what, maybe like a minute. Right. You know, Uh, hour in your head, but a minute in real time. Exactly. You know how these things are. It's like, Oh, you have a minute and 30 seconds to do it. So you have to do it super fast. So then, uh, you know, he, he leaves and, and he's laughing and he's like, yeah, he was, he was, um, he was giving you the business and you know, like, <laughs> I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, wait till you see the picture. And, um, yeah. So then there's, there's, um, when he processed the, the film, there he is, you know, like just spitting on the heads. <laughs> I still have the photo till this day. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you're just like, you, you kind of see how it is. You, you you really do with, with a lot of these big time athletes, you have a set amount of time. Oh yeah. You don't get 90 minutes to hang out. uh -uh. No way. You're not getting artsy and trying different things. It's like, they expect you to be ready to go, have the shot, bam, 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 done, get them out of there. And that, that first experience was like, okay, like that's how it works. Cause I was shocked. I was like, that was fast. What happened? Yeah. You spent way more time moving sandbags than it actually did. Setting it up and you're right. doing Polaroid tests. You're over sitting there and over. over and over again. Yeah. And, and you're, you're like putting them up, you're marking them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, um, you know, he could, he was shooting it on a Hasselblad. And so, you know, um, you know, you can, you can bang things out and there wasn't a lot of variation in there, but you're loading like four different backs, you know, right. and then you making sure that once one is popped, you, uh, you go unload ahead. it, right. Tag it, reload it just in case you have to shoot it. Yep. So, so that was a, you know, those sorts of things were really high stress. Like I got to load the film fast enough and right. How know. fast do I load? Yeah. Don't screw it up. Exactly. And don't, don't load it or unload it incorrectly because then you, 
then you've ruined the whole shoot. Right. You've jacked the whole thing up. If you let light hit that film, you're done. Like, there's there's no coming back from that. Was that you your know? first time in the forum? Um, I think it was. No, 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 no. It wasn't my first time in there because when I was younger, I snuck down to the court. Did you really? I did, yeah. I snuck down to the court with my camera and... Like, I just kind of flashed some fake... a great photographer, fake, yes. Yeah, I just, you know... So I, I did years ago... Um, yeah, I, I did get down in there and have a sort of fake credential thing. But, you know, like, I was with my cousins, and I was like, I'm going to try to get down there. And, and it worked. And they were like, I can't believe you got down there. And But I had been there before. Um, well, what was it like then that day walking in, and it's yellow and orange, and it's... You know, the forum and the scoreboard and the jerseys and the lights probably weren't even all on everything. No. It's very dark. No. Chuck Mangione playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty you know, awesome. To, to this day, if I hear that song, uh-huh. I think of you and Garrett. And me and Garrett in there? Yeah, yeah. It's like, and my wife laughed because I told her years ago about this. And like, there's certain songs that come uh-huh. on and you're like, oh, that was my first, you know, dance in eighth grade and this and that. Yeah. And then. Chuck Mangione comes on and it's supposed to be something romantic and I think no two dudes and we're standing in the, in the catwalk, the catwalk yeah. of the forum looking down trying to knock the drop dark slides on yeah, anybody and exactly yeah, I, I know. love that song but it's so funny how it snaps me yep. into 1997 yeah exactly no it's it's funny man like, like I, I, and the same thing I think of Garrett every time right because we would always like oh there it goes you know so-and-so's here, you mm-hmm. know, because he'd always put the same song Right, on. every morning. Yeah, it was awesome. Those Sunday mornings, every time up in the catwalk. Yeah, yeah, those were the days. You remember, like, having to drop those lines? And, oh, yeah, drop everybody's lines down. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. And the height on the, at the Forum wasn't uh, what it is in these buildings now, oh. where it's like, no. I mean, it was, it was fairly low. Very low. You know, because... Um, I would mount a Hasselblad 300 that was a 180. Oh, wow. For an overhead. Wow. Right? Now, yeah. you know, when I would help McDonough, if I do it myself, it was a 500 or a mm-hmm. 6 for an overhead. 35. Yeah. yeah. Like Isn't that insane? A 500 that's for an crazy. overhead. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how they make those buildings now. It's like. I think I heard you could take the whole form and put it inside Staples Center and it probably. wouldn't touch. Probably. That's how big it is. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I remember, like, I think the first time at the Delta Center. Um, not the Delta Center. Um, yeah, it was a Delta Center back then. For the Jazz? For the Jazz, but it, but I'm actually thinking, I'm thinking of the United Center. Oh, is what it Chicago, was. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was high, man. Yeah. Like, I was like, what? Like, why is this so high? It, I mean, that catwalk uh-huh. was high. I mean, the Delta Center, yeah, it was, it was high, but... Um, I just remember like thinking like this is insane. Like I can't believe there's a like buildings this there's big. There's buildings and, this yeah. And they're letting me climb in them. Yeah. It was it was incredible. Um but yeah, man, those days were those days were pretty awesome. So those moments of starting to help Andy or assisting in general, how did that transform into schoolwork and make you better quicker? Or was it a shock or how did that translate? Yeah, the, the speed was a was a was a shock, um, because you know when you're at art center, like I'm saying, like you have, I mean, you maybe had a, a week to complete an assignment, mm-hmm. but you're doing that assignment on your own time. There's no sort of pressure in terms of having to 
execute it, you know, within 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. Right. Um, so I would say as like far, as far as translating, you know, it, it was a massive shock. And I think for students coming from, and that's one of the things that I tried to tell students, whether it's a workshop or whether it's at Art Center, I say, look, you know, you got to be able to move quick. Like you got to think quick and, and you, it's not, you know, oh, let's try this. Let's try that. Like you got to have your ideas executed. So I wish, you know, maybe there would have been more emphasis on like storytelling, storyboarding, you know, that stuff out right. to kind of help with that process. Um, but as far as creatively, creatively, it was, it was easy. It was easy transition. It was kind of like, okay, well, you know, like, you know, this light seems a little bit too moody. Let's add some fill in the front. Let's, you know, um, like that stuff was, was pretty easy. The, the technical part to me was, it was just mainly get, getting used to certain things like some stuff, you know, Andy needed to shoot on a Mamiya RZ. Mm-hmm. Some stuff was on a Hasselblad. So it's just getting familiar with those types of things. Um, and you're shooting four by five at this point at, at Art Center? Yeah. Yeah, and that's but that was, um, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah, that that was like initially you're doing that to get a better understanding of like how to nail focus. You're right. shooting a cereal box; all four of those corners have to be tack sharp, wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you really learn like to be on on your game. Right. Um, Absolutely. Um, and and you know when you get into to sports and events and that kind of thing, like you're not really doing that. But at the time you were still like shooting four by five was still a, it was still a thing, mm-hmm. you know? So being able to shoot four by five was a necessity if you wanted to be in commercial advertising. Right. There was stuff that you, you know, there was no, you know, phase one back at the time, like, you know, Oh, there was, but it was different. You know, right. you weren't. It's not like out, today. No, no, you weren't popping out hundred megapixel images. No, you know. Um, so four by five and eight by ten film was something that um, if you knew how to do well, you could do commercial stuff and be and be fine. Um, so that actually made it a little bit easier in terms of just going down to like medium format because you're like, oh, I don't gotta imagine this thing upside down and right. you know, yeah. Cause you're looking through the viewfinder and you're like, why is it, why is this upside down? You know? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Or if you were, if you really had it good, you know, if you were using like a, you know, one of these Sinar expensive ones that had the reflex mm-hmm. thing where you can look down and so you didn't have to go under the drop cloth right. and stuff and it had a magnifier That in was it. fancy. That was, re- yeah, like you were like big time. I only assisted guys who had that stuff. You, did you? Like, yeah, because that was fancy. Yeah, it was like... I was always under a cloth on my own. Yeah, I mean, because like, uh, I mean, I didn't even know if you could rent those, like back in the day I bet you couldn't yeah I bet it was like you had to buy them and you know anything 4 by 5 was really expensive oh. you know um, but yeah I mean I would say I don't remember, I remember if, if he ever needed to shoot 4 by 5 but when you go from that to 2 and a quarter film 
you know, you're like, okay, this is... Well, you're in a Ferrari all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, it's pretty easy, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, and then got, to 35... You got 20, you're loading all these bags, you're ready to go. Yeah. 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 Um, but then, like, you remember shooting slide film. Yes. I mean, that was really unforgiving. You have to nail it. Really unforgiving. Handheld meter, check everything, uh, yeah. check it again twice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know why meters don't get as much run today as they... I, I still have the, one. Good. No, it's like people don't realize, like, because you just trust the in-camera in camera metering. Right. Um, but it's just so much easier if you have a light meter and you can just kind of measure different parts of the scene and, you know, and see, that's what I'm saying about being educated on that kind of stuff. Like, right. There's something little like that, that people don't necessarily get the opportunity to hear about these days, you know, because it's like this camera has this dynamic range and, you know, all this latitude and that's what they hear about. That's what they know. Right. You know, those numbers, very impressive. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but I can give you this handheld meter. You can walk around, do the whole thing and know all your exposures just like that. Yeah, exactly. That's four under. This is two over. I mean, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that's gotten away that, that left us when digital really became a foothold. Yeah. Everybody truly believed the back of their camera. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and got lazy to it because they can open up shadows and details in Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's more of a, I mean, and and that's the thing is where you were, where you were shooting, um, transparency film, you would kind of know, after a certain point, you would say, okay, well, if I shoot this, you know, this is telling me I'm going to shoot it, you know, two fiftieth at five point six, you know, here it is, you'd know, like, okay, I'm going to bump it a quarter in processing mm -hmm. like you would just kind of know that with that like if you were using Provia or if you were using Astia or if you were using EPP mm -hmm. one of those film stocks like you knew okay this kind of has its own you know um, way of how it's processed right the same you know and that that to me it was like it it, it solidified that you knew what you were doing right you Whereas, don't get that with a digital card no, no, you don't. <laughs> They're all the same. No, it's, it's, and it's funny that like, you know, like you pay money to get those film stocks now, you yeah. know? It, oh my, yes. You know, you, you just like, <laughs> you, yeah, you, you know, you're. This preset on Lightroom, make it look just like, like, oh, for love of yeah, God. But it's, it, you know, and that's been the, the challenging part, I think about, um, you know, digital and, and where we're at is that, um, you know, you're dealing with a lot of circumstances. If you're going to depend on the meter in the camera, okay, fine. But then, you know, you're looking at it, evaluating it on the back of the screen. That's one set of color tones. Then you're taking it to your, your monitor. That thing has to be calibrated. Right. You know, then you're dealing with the print process. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something else. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of steps. And I feel like, you know, it, it's... That's where I think like it just kind of you know with a lot of people it's just like okay you know it looks it looks all right I can like you're saying bump the shadows up or I can bring the highlights down if I need to but there's a lot to that right you know you could have done that before you even took the picture yeah yeah <laughs> I know and, and it's I mean I respect people when they because um, I shoot an aperture priority a lot okay. a lot um, you know, but I set parameters on the camera, like minimum shutter speed, you know, the ISO range, all that stuff. 
Um, but you know, some people are just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it manually and I'm doing it manually and, and that's cool. They do it, but you have to slow down. Yeah. You, you better be, be on it. Yeah. Like you, you just have to be more intent with what you're doing and certain things you can get away with it. Like, you know, um, if you're obviously not having changing lighting conditions, which that's not my world. That's not what I deal with right now. You know, I deal with in and out of a locker room out on the field at four o'clock when the sun is moving across and then they turn the lights on. So you're dealing with a lot of things that if I were to shoot manual all the time, just manual, like it would cut down my production, which for me isn't necessarily the best thing. Um, given that there's like fast demands for social and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just different. What's the best class you took when you were at Art Center? What's the one that you're like, oh, that was gold. I recommend that for everybody. At your time when you were going there, uh, the best class. Well, so I only went for um, three terms, two terms. I was only there a couple terms because I started working for Andy. Right um, after that, I think. Um, Jeff Sedlick taught a portrait class and I mean that guy is like that guy is incredible like the the stuff and he was doing big time ad shoots and I mean like just hearing some of the stories you're like it was like you're a photographer and you live that kind of life like <laughs> right? that's insane um but yeah, I mean, like just watching him kind of critique portraits and some of the different things we were shooting, like it really just kind of opened my mind to to just thinking about like, am I just taking this photo because I think the background is cool or because the lighting is cool? And like, you know, he would have a lot to say about, you know, what you're getting out of the portrait, what you're trying to get out of the subject you know, the way they're looking at you, the way their body posture is like little things like how their hands could be positioned or, you know, and he was doing a lot of commercial stuff. So obviously like it was sort of, wasn't necessarily on a, um, creative level to where it was, he was trying to tell this deep story, but Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're trained on it, then it's natural to you. Sure. Uh, but I learned a lot from his class, a lot from his class. Um, I would say that was probably the one that um, that probably stuck with me the most. From Do you think time. not having a, a, any business classes hurt you early on in your career? Yeah, that's something that, that um, I think that they need to fix is putting business classes early um, because they... Because like you said, you only did three you know, trimesters. Yeah. And a lot of students don't finish. Right. A lot of students don't finish. And, and you get sent out to that world and you don't know. And it's a, it's a hard reality for people who are incredibly talented. The, like I went to school with some incredibly talented people that are way better than me. They're not even doing photography now. I can attest to that too as well. Yeah. It, it, and it's, it's, you're kind of shocked. You're like, how did I get so lucky? Whatever. But yeah, what about Gary and Kelly and Stacy and Jim? Like they were way better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, it was almost discouraging in a way when you're there and, and you see these talented people. Um, but 
you know, apparently whatever business choices or that they did or didn't make, it wasn't able to help them sustain or have a career. Um, and some of them I know got into other fields like graphic design, which right. happens, you know. Um, but the business part of it, I feel like that stuff needs to be um, taught earlier on because, you know, they even tell you while you're at Art Center, oh, yeah, you're going to be you're going to be booking jobs. You're going to be getting jobs while you're in school. And it's true. You know, you, you do get some, but there, it's not like you're not getting, you know, advertising jobs right. necessarily. You're like, not working for Chanel on the weekend. Yeah. You know, like they don't see you there and they're not coming there saying like, oh, we got to have this student shoot for us. I mean, you're getting maybe like little small things. So it's, you know, but the business aspect of it in terms of simple things like, okay, well, you know, should I, should I really, you know, be doing this on my own as me? Should I be doing it as an LLC? Should I think about a, a partnership? Like, all yeah, of that right. stuff, all of that stuff. And taxes, like, insurance, taxes. It, yeah. Because, you know, um, it's a minefield. Yeah. And, and, you know, then it's like, well, you know, what can you use to write off and run the business? Like, are, are you, if you do it this way, are you going to pay yourself? But it's hard because, you know, you have to have a, a sustainable business to be, you know, have a, a regular income to do things like that. So you don't, you just don't know. And then, you know, I think one of the, one of the big things I know every photographer is, you know, interested in is well, what do I charge? Uh, you know, yeah. what, how much, how much do I charge for this. And, and the thing that I've noticed is that it's, there's no like one set answer for anything. It depends on what you're shooting. You know, like you can't compare a, a wedding photographer's rate to, you know, somebody who's shooting food. Right. Um, At all. Yeah. And, and in sports, you know, that's the thing is, is it's really changed. Like some people will do a day rate model. Some people will do a commissions you know, that shit just depends on where you fall mm -hmm. on the spectrum. Um, so those kinds of things I, I think are really lacking. I think a, a lot in terms of um, what the students are getting um, because they are having to find that out. Like I found that out assisting and working for, for photographers who are in the real world doing their thing. Um, and, you know, even, even, for me working with Andy, that was just a set thing. You know, it's like, okay, well, here's what we pay our second assistant. Here's what we pay, you know, our first assistant. Here's what the MBA pays their freelance rate, whatever. Right. Um, but then he was also very active shooting commercial jobs. So like, you know, you don't, necessarily know oh well you know you got to hire a producer producers are expensive you know um you got to have you know there's rental costs and, and hair and makeup yeah. scouting locations you name yeah. it there's and, a list of why those people exist yeah and and how much of that is actually coming out of what you're doing are you marking that stuff up like i mean i know we used to mark stuff up for like you know proofs and mm -hmm. and all that you know and, and i didn't know that like at the time i would have been like oh it costs you know Eight Cost, bucks, I charge eight bucks. Yeah, you know, and you, right. you just don't know that. And I was like, oh man, you're charging $35 for that? Like, you know. But it only costs us eight. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, Coke doesn't sell you the 
cost of the bottle, maybe cost them one cent, they charge you 75. Totally. Yeah. It's business. Yeah. And then, you know, they don't tell you like certain things you need to, you know, keep a side set of money from what you sell for sales tax because you could get hit with that as well. Um, How did you do those first couple of years? Oh, horrible. That's the, those are the first couple of years that either make or break or just completely destroy you. Yeah, it was, it was just, it was a mess. Because you went mess. from no money to now you're assisting. That means you're getting money. Yeah. Not doesn't mean you're making money, but you're getting money. Yeah. And there's a difference. Everybody thinks they get that 150 bucks assisting. I made 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. You might've made about $73. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and. So those first couple of years were a little rough? Yeah. Figuring be, it out? Because you're like, well, I think for me, the, the thing that you end up doing is like, oh, I just need to work more. I need to work more. Right. And so, you know, you, you're sort of dependent on somebody else when you're needing that. Or, right. or Andy you, needs to work more so I can work more. Yeah. Fortunately, I mean, he works all the time. Right. You know, but, but that's what it became. You were hitched to that wagon. Yeah. But you know, I would assist other photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's another way to, to make some more, um, to have more revenue. Um, and then, you know, commercial jobs were great because always the assistant rates were like much, much higher. Oh you yes. Know? Um, so anytime, you know, somebody would have like an ad job or whatever, I'd be like, oh yes, you know, this is great, (laughs) you know. um, But then then you learn that that's eventually gonna sort of be the same with your photography career. So if you're shooting just small editorial things, you're gonna get small editorial rates. If you're able to do big commercial jobs, you're gonna get those, you know, big commercial rates if you fall in the bid where it's right, Right. you know. yeah, I mean, and that's that's something I was had no clue on either. Is like bidding, you know, like when there's a project that an art director is interested in, it's, it's you're not the one that they are hiring, saying like, "Hey, tell us what you want us to pay you." You're there, and you're saying, "Okay, here's what I can do the job for you at this cost," and then they're comparing you with other photographers. The other twelve other guys. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, was that rough the first couple of times going out, doing that bidding and figuring it out? Uh, for me, it actually wasn't because the first few ones that I, that I was able to do, um, I had a friend on the inside okay. who was at the, uh, it was for MGM Grand okay. uh, or MGM Mirage. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, I know we were talking about earlier, we were talking about, you know, getting your career started and, and, how you sort of do that but you know the networking aspect of it is massive massive and my career exists through networking yes through through you know and it will people that sustain I know. because of networking yes yes and so you know when I got that first real commercial opportunity um, I did submit a bid but my friend at the agency would say like you know your bids a little low you know, and so I had help that way. Okay. And then once I sort of understood the range of, of like what they were dealing with, right. then you say like, okay, well, like if they're okay with like, you know, a $5,000 rate, you know, for this, then that should be the rate going forward. When other people come to look at you, that's kind of the expectation mm-hmm. for a company this size. Right. Um, so yeah, so fortunately I, you know, because yeah, I think probably I, I, 
I just wanted to get the job and I put like $1,500 right. or something like that, right. you know? Which is, you know, what everybody does. Yeah. And I then, just want to work. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like you, you think when you're young, you think, oh, that's a lot of money yeah. just to, just to shoot for, you know, one thing. And you didn't realize you left 3,500 on the table. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, like there were, I, I've not done a ton of them, but there were some jobs that I've done that were like $10,000, $20,000. And I'm like, this is not real. This cannot be real. Like, and then you realize that the, that the person that they really wanted to hire who was unavailable was charging like $45,000 a day, a right. day, $45,000 yeah. a day. And I'm like, this is insane. Right. Like, this is absolutely insane. Cause you don't feel like you deserve that kind of right. income. But, you know, if you're... But the difference is the guy who wants that, the Bruce Weber, whoever it mm -hmm. is, they walk around with the fact that, yeah, you're going to pay me that yeah. 45000 yeah. I am worth every bit of that. Yeah. And I'm going to give you that absolute product for it. Yeah. I'll show you and you see what I've done. And that becomes that, that confidence thing early on a lot of photographers don't have. Mm -hmm. They need to understand who they are. Don't think you're that great when you're not but when you get to that point understand yes you can command that yeah, yeah too, many 100%. Go, too many go oh, I'll take the 1500 thank you sir yeah you're, you're like 100%. I just left nine grand on the table mm -hmm. yeah you're a hundred percent right you're 100% I've talked to right. so many creative directors that are like oh my god sometimes we get these photographers that just don't understand the business mm -hmm. and they and if you're low like they'll even tell you if you're low they know where you're at Oh yeah. Because if they see that, if they see you come in with a low rate, even though you might be better than the other photographers you're bidding on, mm -hmm. bidding with, they see that and they're like, uh, uh, you know, like I can't give this job to this person, you know, who's, right. well, they know, might start to question you. What the hell? Maybe you don't know this business. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's Robert the thing. Robert have no clue what they're doing. Yeah. And, and it's their necks are on the line. Yes. Especially with those high budget situations. Right. And, and if you don't deliver, it's their neck because they're answering to their client right. who is spending a lot of money on their agency, um, you know, that they've hired to produce whatever advertisement for them. Um, so yeah. So like, once I really learned that stuff, man, that was eye opener, real eye opener. Um, and that's the stuff I wish they would teach in college. Yeah. Yeah. They should. Understanding photo business 101. Yeah. Let's start off with, I pay you 150 bucks. How much do you make? Yeah. Where do you, I'm curious, where do you stand with like when young photographers are coming up where they have an opportunity to work for a brand and it's like a free situation where it's like, okay, well, you know, um, this person really wants to, to use me. They're interested in my work, but they don't have a budget for this project. So should I do it? I'm a hard no. You're a hard all, no. All the time. I'm a okay. hard no. Okay. Because their brand, their product, whatever they've engineered, created, whatever it is to make it, let's say just this cup, they've spent money. Yeah. They didn't budget properly to produce this if mm -hmm. they didn't, at the end, come up with a creative or marketing budget for it to be shot. Yeah. That's on them. I should not take that hit for a chance. Like, yeah. if there's too many photographers willing to take a chance, 
you can't walk into in and out and say, I've never had your burger before, but I'd like to try it. And then I'll post on Instagram and I'll let everybody know about mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. They look at you like crazy. Yeah. Next. Yeah, totally. Like, you crazy guy out of the way. Yeah. Like I, we bastardize our, 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 our industry by doing that. Mm-hmm. I think like it never happens in a union and I'm not a great union guy. I, I get them, but like still photographers on a union movie shoot, mm-hmm. there's only so few of them, but they all work. Yeah. They would never say like, oh, sure. Steven Spielberg went over budget a little bit. I'll work yeah. for free. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. He's taking that union day rate. Yeah. So I'm a hard no on that because it's, it's happened far too many times without the return of like, you're the next great photographer after shooting my widget. Yeah. So for me, I feel like it's, it's a tricky situation because if a company ever comes to you or a business ever comes to you and asks for that, it's hard to go back mm-hmm. once they've already established that, you know, um, we have, well, you know, you, you did it for free before. So, sure. you know, it's not necessarily that we owe you this rate or whatever, even if you hit it out of the park. But the, the tricky thing for, for me in terms of advising students is when they have no experience and they're trying to get somewhere with it. And so I always say like, look, if, if you're gonna do this for free for a company, chances are that company's never gonna pay you really a good rate that's not to say that somebody else won't because you did do that job for them because you did get that in your book but that's a chance that you're going to take you know because if they ever find out that oh well you know joe's going to do this job for a hundred dollars you know that's what joe costs now forever exactly Exactly. You know, and you and I came up in a different era where there wasn't social media and mm-hmm. it was a little more difficult, right? Like you could not decide to take your four by five and go shoot 20 products, try to get them in your book because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. But now there's no excuse yep. why a young photographer can't have a great book because once they make that initial investment and they don't have to have the latest digital camera, mm-hmm. they don't even have to have the latest Photoshop. Yeah. They could take any product, even in this room, and make their book from it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to go work for Mercedes-Benz or Chanel or Pepsi. Yeah. There's there's the ability to make this stuff so easy now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's where I, I do think that having the education is important. Yes. You know, because a lot of, at least what I see is, well, I just like photography. So I started shooting and they're (laughs) self-taught and it's almost like the, they're the most dangerous. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of, you know, the, the self-taught thing is, um, it's misleading to them because they feel like it's an accomplishment, but they've been showing their self-taught work on social media and they get the gratification from it. So right. if you're a popular person or if you've shared something popular and you get, you know, a thousand likes, then you're like, that's, that's your validation. Right. You know? Right. And you, and you think, oh, well, my work must be good because, you know, I've got a thousand likes on this image. And, you know, so it just feeds 
adds feel to it. And you just give me, well, I don't really need to get, you know. Right. That, that's the most false sense of like reality. Because yeah. on Instagram, for instance, you can just do puppy dogs and boobs mm -hmm. and you're going to get a thousand likes. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that doesn't mean that generates a return in work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. And even if somebody does see some great image that you took and they're like, oh, dude, come shoot, come shoot this for me. You know, like that's not necessarily to say that you have the skill set or the education to go and do, you know, their campaign. Yeah. You know, like if you had a, a massive following, I think about this sometimes. If you had a massive following, you're an influencer and, you know, they see all your followers and they say, you know, like, just take this, you know, take our product and post about it, whatever you post about it, your photographer, and you maybe do, you do a cool shoot outside, you know, at sunset or something. And then they're like, man, we got a big return. Let's hire this guy to shoot our product because I've gotten shoots and I'm sure you've gotten shoots where you do one thing and then they just are like, oh yeah, he probably can shoot a photographer. He can probably right. shoot whatever. But something like a discipline of lighting, especially in a studio where it's like ridiculously different situation where you're way focused on composition and lighting and framing. Creating the light. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what if you give that person a, a job and they're going to be like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. How to I use just a got softball. a big softball. Yeah. Am I supposed to, you know, am I supposed to use it behind? Am I supposed to use it as a big window? Am I supposed to, you know, light up from below like you yeah. want a hard edge soft edge you want it yeah yeah so there's all of that there's all of that that goes into it and um you know that's that's why i wish you know there was a was more of a renaissance in terms of people wanting to have that kind of education right you know um but it's you know and it's not to say well you should be going to art center you should be going to you know rhode island school of design or somewhere like that um, but getting education in like the essentials, like composition, well, that, lighting. that's on the schools. They've got to put that in the curriculum. They have to. Yeah. Cause you send out these puppies then and they just don't have a chance. Yeah. They're going to get mauled. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, the ones that come out of art center, like they've got the training, like you're doing the ball cube and cylinder, you're doing the four by five, you're doing all of that stuff. But where they'll end up being struggling is that business part if they haven't gone through the whole program. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I always feel like, man, like you're walking out, you're walking out with ninety thousand, hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, and this is like you're invested, you're in it, so you need to make a career out of it. It's not like, you know, go out and, you know, get a nine to five job and do Become photography. Become a barista. Yeah. No. And you know, like that's not what you're. You know, like, why, why did you spend all that money? And I, and I think actually that's one of the things is a lot of people see that and they're like, well, I don't want to go to this college and spend all that money. Like I can just do it on my own. I can watch a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of YouTube and there's a lot of great YouTube stuff, right? you know, but it, it's, it's like how much of that is, is really, you know, that, that practical stuff that you, like, I'm like, we were talking about earlier with the dark room, you're going to go and test yourself out in a dark room and, and see if you can really, you know, make a print that has the right contrast, the right exposure, you know, um, all of the different things that go into that. So, yeah, I mean, totally different world. It is. It is. Yeah. So in terms of that, that's why I was curious as to like where you, where you land on that in terms of the free, yeah. because I, I see that a lot with, with, 
people and they want to they they want to get into like in particular sports it's like right. how do i get in to shoot a galaxy game how do i get in to shoot a laker game first of all you're not getting into shoot a laker game right you know what i mean like you're gonna like that's just not a route that anybody gets to um but i mean i don't know how it was at the paper like how you were able to get in i don't know if you like had i i did internships okay yeah right you know like there was internships and i worked the little high school newspapers like, yeah that's what you did and i worked high school games and then junior college games and then you know d1 game and you worked your way up you didn't yeah. just go like oh you got the job we're sending you to the lakers game so how long did that take you like roughly like years probably of and then i was assisting mcdonough and peter and it probably took like four years I, so you were assisting mcdonough and you were an established photographer yeah which is yeah you know to me it's just it, it's crazy yeah you know no. what i mean like i i had sh i to a point where i shot an si assignment mm -hmm. and the next day i assisted yeah him but see, that's the thing. Right. Is that now, a lot of that was because I love those guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like I wouldn't do it now, but I mean, then. Because your time. Right. Yeah. But I loved McDonough. He helped me out. Peter was great when mm -hmm. uh, all those guys, Clutho, that, that generation of those SI photographers, I would have walked on hot coals for. Yeah. Because they were great. Yeah. I'm and sure you I learned was a still ton. learning. I yeah. was still learning yeah. from those guys. I mean, I can go out to lunch now with Peter and I can still pick up 10 things. I was like, God, why didn't I know that 10 years ago? Yeah. But you're not too, um, you're humble enough to not let your ego right. get in front of that and say like, oh, well, why am I not shooting for SI? How come I'm not right. their main guy? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and that kind of stuff is. Yeah. They immediately want your job. They don't want to work up the ladder. Yeah, and, and that's what I try to get people to understand is like, well, it, it, in something like sports in particular, it does take time. It does take, um, you know, persistence and, and patience. Um, whereas something like portraits of still life, you can go out and grab people. You can go out and shoot still life. Yeah, you can, grab your boyfriend, girlfriend, shoot portraits of them, find a bird or something. Yeah, yeah. And, so I, you know, I, I always find it like tricky to navigate because I, I do say, well, you know, you just, if somebody's asking you to do something for free, the chances are that you're not gonna, you're not gonna see that rate at some point. Right. You know, you might see the rate from somebody else, but just, just know that maybe that's a cool client. You're happy to have their stuff in your, in your portfolio, but you know, that might not be the one that's going to, you know, pay long term. Yeah. Right. They might, but, but, you know, you have to decide if they keep coming, asking you to do stuff, like if that's worth it, you know, your, uh, your first year with Andy was in 97, right? Yes. So that was also Derek Fisher and this other kid named Kobe. Yeah. Their first year. Yep. Yep. What was that like? Dude, that was awesome, man. Because you really didn't know at the time. No, you don't. I mean, like... You look back now and you go, oh. Yeah. But then, you're young. You're trying to appease Andy and you're in this, like, absolutely whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, and even at that time, it was like, oh, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. You know, this, like... It was more Shaq. Yeah. Because Kobe know. didn't establish himself for a couple of years. Yeah. It took him a while for... Because Eddie was still on the team. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Dell didn't play him a lot. Yeah. It was a... It was a... For me, because I, I was a Laker fan, I just wanted to see them win. Right. You know that like that to me was like the the highlight for me. Even being part of it and just you know knowing <laughs> that I was helping, but like being able to see them there and winning, to me was was awesome. 
but yeah, I mean, man, those, those years are like, just were like foundational in terms of just kind of seeing like how, how things work and, you know, like the pressures of, of those moments. Cause dude, you know, like shooting strobes, oh, basketball yeah, what games, was that like for you? man, it was, you went from portraits of buddies to all of a sudden one frame every two seconds. Yeah, it was, it was hard, but I mean, Garrett was an amazing teacher. Andy, obviously, um, amazing teacher. Did and you rely more on Garrett at that point? It was assistant down. He would show you the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett was very, um, you know, cause Andy was always so busy and he's in the mode of shooting. Right. So, um, Garrett just had to make sure that he was ready to go and he didn't have to really think about anything else. Oh, um, and you're learning the flash wizard system at this point, aren't you? Yeah. 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 And that so mystery box. Oh man. It's, if you put one of those things in front of me right now, I'd probably be like, what is this? Like PTSD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Like, yeah. Because there's so many things that could go wrong with them. Oh my you God. Know? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, you're setting groups and if it's not in the right group and your master has to be right. And Oh, God forbid. Yeah. Your antenna's broken and the whole thing goes to hell. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're dealing with different there's chords. Little, little chords. And yeah. yeah, this is the trigger. This is for the master. Yeah. Oh, I'm sweating. I, I, yes. I've had, yeah, you know how intense that is. Oh, yeah. Because you're talking about multiple cameras that aren't working if something's not. Right. And we took the master to crap out and the the whole down down. port's not working. Mm -hmm. Or like the strobe is not firing. So like maybe it had a weird polarity and you'd have to take it out and you'd have to re-plug it in. Or kinked because those cords were all, yeah, Mm -hmm. pins. I would, oh. Yeah. Those things are, I wish somebody would do a documentary on those. I know. You know, it'd be pretty. That LPA designed the whole thing. The wizard, yeah. It's, It's pretty insane. Um, we don't realize how that absolutely tra- changed the industry. Yeah. I got work because I owned a set from ESPN, the magazine. Oh, really? Because it was dollars and cents, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Would you send a guy out that can down court only shoot one camera? Mm-hmm. Or would you send out a guy that can shoot four cameras down court? Yeah, makes sense. More money. Yeah. I'm making more images. Yeah, it makes sense. Totally. So my investment of, trying to explain to my wife why we're spending $15,000 on these little red boxes. Yeah. I got so much work from ESPN, the magazine, those first like four or five years because I had a set. That's awesome. That's really awesome. But it was understanding where you spend money and will it get a return for you? Yeah, totally. Totally. If I had bought a 600... Would that have gotten me more money? No. No. But on strobes, now they're sending me to San Antonio. Now they're sending me to uh, um, Vancouver. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So those strobes, were those your set of strobes? It was whoever at that point. Like, I would have a set. Um, You're renting from places. Mm -hmm. So it was wherever. Wherever Jim Server would would send me. Okay. Because I remember at the forum, you were pretty regularly Yeah, but that was on the register. Okay. So that was different. But okay, then once gotcha. I got those wizards, it was a whole different thing. Gotcha. That was off and running. Gotcha. Yeah. But like, you know, so, you know, shooting one, popping one of them off. I mean, and now they have pro photos that are, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Those are, <laughs> you know, but it's easy, you know, it, it's easy when you have a camera that can shoot 14 frames a second and you're, you know. That's the other thing. You know, and it's, and, and I'm guilty of it. I shoot a lot. Like, I shoot a ton of stuff. Shooting um, available back then sucked. In back the then forum? it was, mm. oh, man. 
Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You needed to have like a, a 1.4 lens. Yeah. Because yeah. it was 2.8, 3200 speed color film. It looked horrible. On the film, it was bad. Right. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, yeah. I mean, I preferred it in black and white. Yeah. Because if, because if it was in color, it just looked so noisy and so so unbelievably you accepted the, the look of the grain in black and white yeah yeah mentally you were there being was a something artsy. in there yeah. you're like I could deal with it yeah but when you saw it in color you're like it's mustard and shack skin mm -hmm. tones green and mm -hmm. not good yeah yeah especially if like it's on slide film don't even think about oh, it oh god you couldn't yeah. do it no it was I mean I don't even remember if they made slide film that was that high I think you had to get it was like, uh, 320 tungsten and you had to push, push it. it. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember helping like, <laughs> yeah, things. doing that. Oh, VJ would shoot. Uh, I shot, I assisted him shooting boxing strobed and he used that stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Right. But the, you know, those, um, you know, with the, again, with the shooting strobes, that was new to me and, and not being able to just kind of like click, 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 click. <laughs> You know, um, but click, it, wait. Yeah. But I think those dudes, I think like, because I look at all the, the, the range of photographers that are out there shooting right now. And I feel like each, each area, they're really strong at certain things. Like, so to me, baseball photographers right now are like some of the, are producing some of the best work in my opinion. Like they're, they're they're just doing so much with behind the scenes and the sports action. Mm -hmm. They're telling so many more stories. They're using color. They're using light. Like right now, baseball photographers to me are just like, like that's who I look at as oh, in inspiration. Outstanding. Yeah. It, it's some like of the best work comes out of there. The level, the level of work that's coming out of there is amazing. I look at like the NBA and the photographers that are shooting for NBA photos, NBA entertainment, like they're just on. They're just on. They, they get those moments because that's the thing. It's like the right moment of the play, you know, at, at the peak of the dunk or the shot or the steal or, or whatever's happening. Like, so I feel like those are some of the best at timing, you know, mm -hmm. because they're only popping one, one frame. Um, then you have like, you know, um, hockey photographers. Hockey on strobe. Like... That's insane. To me, yeah. hockey is the hardest sport to shoot. To oh, me. it's brutal. I mean, you're shooting through a little hole, and the puck is flying back and forth. You know, like, it's, to me, it's like, how did I ever do that? I don't even know, you know. It looks the size of a gnat, too. Yeah. It's moving 100 miles an hour with yeah. guys that are moving 100 miles an hour, gliding into each other. In a confined area. Yeah. You know, so I shoot soccer. It's a large field. Like, the, it, it's a little slower from one side to the other. So, you know, you do have time to, to change, you know, your cameras a little right. bit. Um, you know, and granted, yeah, you know, with basketball, it's 90 feet. So you gotta, you gotta be pretty quick, but, um, you know, I, I just feel like shooting hockey on strobe when those dudes are hitting the puck so fast or they're coming around or they're making a play, like it's insane to me. It's really insane. So, what was that like for your first couple of years shooting at the forum on those Kings games? Oh man, I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I didn't come from that, you right? Know? And so, the only reason why I thought I got through that and I was able to do the job is because when I started, I was editing Andy's film. I was, okay. I was seeing everything that he was shooting. 
and I saw this is what a good image is. If Andy made this, this is what a good image looks like. So it just got burned in my head. So I, all I would try to do is copy what he was doing. Emulate copy, good stuff. Copy yep. what he was doing. Copy what he was doing. And that's kind of how I train people coming up through us is I say, you know, you're going to start by editing my stuff. You're going you're gonna to go through and, and edit the photos and, and you're going to see what, what I'm doing and that's what I want you to do. When, when I do the workshops, I show them everything that I do and I say, I want you to copy this, emulate this. Because like, if you can just get this down, then you're going to have the freedom to do more of the things that you want to capture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's big. Yeah. Because sometimes these kids don't know. They've never seen that kind of amount of work. They've never shot that many images in a game. Yeah. And they, they don't necessarily know what to look for in, uh, in the action or right. in, the, in the individual shot. So I think a lot of the things that I try to point out are like the, the body posture of an athlete, like when the image looks right with their knee at a certain point so that it's making you know, a nice angle as opposed to like a half step where it looks a little awkward. Mm-hmm. Getting them to see that like, okay, well, their head is more profile. You want it more turned toward you. Or here is more at the peak. So the good thing about shooting a sequence is that you can show that sequence right. and say, here's where, here's where I would pick this image instead of that one. And this is why. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, with strobe, you don't get that option. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. So th- that's why I have such a high respect for that when you do it regularly. And then, uh, you remember Andy hate. Yeah. Yes, man. He that, taught me how to shoot a Hasselblad. Yes. Same, same. That guy, like, yeah. And some people just have it, man. Like some people just have the skill, right? You know, you're obviously one of those people that you just have the ability to just time things right. See things at the right moment. That was something I had to learn, but he, he taught me a lot of that. Like what I should be thinking. He's so gifted, you know, simple, just little simple things, you know, like, you know, starting very easy and, and, and a lot of the, 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 more well-known photos of Kobe or Shaq or whatever that I've taken were on Hasselblad because that's, you know, what, what, um, you know, Andy Bernstein, Andy Haight, Garrett taught me. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to how, think how uh, talented Andy is. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. He was so far ahead of his time. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like leaving the forum and going into the giant Staples Center? For you, um, you know, change. I think a lot, for a lot of people is kind of, you know, you don't like it too much because um, it was intimate at the forum. It was, it was, and you know, you had a routine. You kind of set in your in your way, and everything was sort of, you know, new. And there was all this sort of, um, I don't want to say pressure, but you know, just kind of like, all right, you're in a new stadium. Like everything should be great and exciting. Um, it maybe, was, maybe it was me. I was disappointed when I walked in for the first time. Really? Yeah, because maybe I romanced what the forum was, the mm. darkness of the backgrounds, the, ye- the yellow and orange, yeah. the way the jerseys were up there, yeah. walking right down. I, there was something romantic about yeah. walking in, coming in through the tunnel. Same mm-hmm. tunnel the players did, but parking my car, walking right down, and yeah. the night walking out. Yeah. Seeing the guy, hey, Stuart, walk out, walk. Yeah. Then it became, 
go to Staples Center, and I felt like I was going through TSA. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot different. It, there, it's you the know, place you didn't was have huge. that. You, there was no history. No. You didn't really like everything was the strobes new. lit up everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and then that part was like the lighting at the forum with the strobes was great. Oh, you know, like I mean, I don't even remember what the what the settings were on that, but you didn't need much. You know, you had four strobes. And that was it. You were good. But right. at Staples, you had to have uh, eight. Eight. Yeah. Um, at and, full power. And then, yeah. And see, the thing is, is we didn't really adjust them for hockey. We had just kind of set them. But they should have been adjusted depending on, you know, what event it was. Basketball, right. hockey. Um, and I think it, I think we did change it a little bit. Um, I think because um, I think Getty had... had said that they were really unhappy one time. Yeah, dark in the corners. Yeah, and they were pay, they were renting them, so um, we had to fix that stuff up. But, I mean, it, it was cool because it's, it's, you know, you kind of modernize, you feel like you're with the times. But, yeah, there wasn't Yeah, there that. were no drop lines. There were no, yeah. <laughs> and that, to me, was amazing. I still don't know. I just remember when the guy was, um, the guy was, uh, well, when Andy was talking to Lee Zeidman and, and saying like, yeah, we have to have this and, and Andy was responsible for all that. But remember the one guy who was responsible for putting those in talking to Andy and, you know, and Andy's like, yeah, well, you know, we're going to need, I forgot how many lines he said, maybe like eight, you know, eight, eight potential lines, but we'll have uh, six, six sets. And there's this whole box that, is plugged into and there it was wiring that I was like what is this wiring because it was like microphone wiring right and it wasn't zip cords mm-hmm. with ADA taps or any you know what I mean right. so it was strange and yeah and there's this box in the catwalk that controls that and then there's a box down below that you just run to the court it's amazing magic yeah and it works yeah and I was like dude this is this is so... Where have you been my whole life? Yeah, it, it was just strange because, you know, coming from that world where you right. had to do that that way. Turn all the packs on. Yep. Check them. Make sure. Make yeah. sure they were on their cardboards. They weren't touching any metal. Uh-huh. Drop your lines down. No, now it's like you go tell a security guy to turn the lights on. Exactly. Yeah. And that blew my mind. Blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, man. We sound old like cavemen. I, I know. I know. But now that's all you wanted was the strobes yeah. to work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because... Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they the breaker would go and you'd have to run up to the gallery. <laughs> like, oh, know. I always hated judging halftime at the forum to run up yeah. and get film at halftime. Yeah. Pull out a back, put another one in. Yeah, because you'd have to go through the crowd. Yes. To get up. All steps. Mm-hmm. All the way through. There's no elevator that took you right up nope. there. Yeah. There's still that little nook and up there and then you got to be up there and you got to watch your step. Yeah. You're walking on two by six wood. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. But the the new part about it was really awesome. Oh yeah, you know, having that new facility. But yeah, I mean there was that you know that uh, history and nostalgia that was missing. Um, but it was cool. It was it was really cool. Like I I enjoyed you know once we sort of had that stuff down and everything Breaking we saw in. that everything was working and you know at first when you're trying to plug in those wizards and you know you're using a different you know, you're using that, uh, what was it, like uh, eighth inch or quarter inch yeah. plug. You know, you're like, oh, this is working, you know. Why? Why is it not working? Yeah, you know, you're stressing out about that. But um, How was that uh, championship run in 2000? 
Man, so I, I tell people that year was like the hardest year that I've ever, ever worked because, um, you know, there was the, the, that championship run, but also coincided with the opening of Staples Center. Which, right. It was a know, while because we just come off the player strike in 99. So mm-hmm. that was shortened. Yeah. And then we go into this new building. Oh, yeah. pressure. Yeah. And there's two teams playing there. Like we didn't always do Clipper games, you know, um, but they were playing there. So, I mean, I lived at that place. It was there like every, every day. And then, and then, you know, Andy was also going on the road a lot. Like they, they had him going. So we, I I, want to say if the, if it's right, I think we did out of that whole season, 80 something percent of the Laker games that they played. 80% 80% to me, like that, to, that's ridiculous because I mean, that's, that's a lot of time on the road. How did he not get sick? I, I mean, that's a lot of traveling and you're lugging and it's one thing if you're a pampered player, but that's a lot of work. Yeah. And you saw all the stuff, all the cases and gear yeah. that we were traveling with commercially and not on the charter. I mean, there was a few times that we got to go on the charter, which was cool, but uh, for the most part, we had to, we had to do our own thing. Oh, um, but it wasn't it wasn't just those um, Laker games. We would go to Portland and do, you know, Portland Vancouver. Right. You know, like we would go to, you know, do these random games in different cities. Um, so it wasn't just Laker games. It wasn't just Clipper games. It wasn't just Kings games. So that was a a really hard year in terms of working. Um, but I mean, I'd say that there's nothing like it going through winning a championship. And At that point, that. were you better financially? Way better. Understanding. Yeah. You and your money. Yeah. And at that point, at that point, you know, I was on, I was on Andy's staff. So, you know, I had the best of both worlds. I got a, a set salary from him and then, um, all the money that I was going to be able to make from, working for the NBA, which at that point, finally it was like, okay, we're not just going to pay you to assist. Like we're going to have you shoot some games. So that's, that's really where like, yeah, I mean, I think like financially, finally it was like the, the, the most freeing time for right. me, you know? Um, but yeah, I was in a lot better shape, a right. lot better shape. Do you understand your money better handling yeah. it and taxes? Yeah. And well, part of it was just that I wasn't around to spend it. No, that's that helps too. You know, like yeah. I just wasn't, you know, like socking it away. Yeah, and you know, like I wasn't spending money on food because I was eating that press food like every, oh. every day. Um, yeah, which is really unhealthy, obviously. But um, yeah, and then when when we were on the road, all of that stuff was expense. Like I didn't pay for for any of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think those were it was good because if I had had more time, like let's say if I wasn't doing King stuff or whatever, like who knows, like I might be, you know, buying motorcycles or, you know, jet skis or cars and so, and I did, you know, like I, I bought myself nice cars, you know, which looking back, I'm like, well, it was dumb. <laughs> so I only drove it to the stadium and to the airport. And right. Yeah. Um, Should have been an old beat up Toyota Corolla at that point. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, but I mean, you know, and, and then I, I was investing in 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 some gear and in, in you know having my own equipment. Right. You know, Andy would let me use some of his stuff. 
Um, but which you had cool. to have some of your own. I did have to have uh, some of my own because I would go and need to do things on my own when he was when he was shooting. Right. Um, so yeah, but that that championship year, man, it was it was incredible, absolutely incredible. Like you just don't, you know, some people, uh, you know, like Laker fans, whatever. Like you just don't ever have an idea of what it's like to be part of something like that. To to see the the celebrations in the locker room, to to you know feel the energy of the, of the people, so happy. It's like. What was your responsibility when they won that game? Do you remember? Well, I, I did. They did give me a camera to go inside the the, the locker room, uh, but I just had to make sure that Andy had everything that he needed. He was ready to go. Um, at that point, the NBA is there and they're running the show. Right. I mean, you know, uh, it's their show. Andy's just a cog. Yeah, yeah. And so he's got his role to play, and my duty was to make sure that it, you know when he was going to do what he had to do that you know he had enough film in his fanny packs he had yeah because it was film still yeah and he he had enough batteries that there was a backup flash all of that stuff because game's over he's on the court as soon as the game's over he's right in the locker room so i just had to make sure that that he was set and then then i could do you know Whatever fill in, happened. Fill in whatever, whatever I, you know. Because it doesn't end. It's a whirlwind. It's like yeah. two hours of just madness. It is. It it's is. as long as the game. Yeah, it's insane because there's so many different things happening. You know, like they're obviously celebrating. There's the, they got to go to a press conference. They got to come and back. And then they celebrated still in the locker room. They weren't celebrating on the court then. Mm-mm. No. Yeah, they would go into the locker room and celebrate. Right. Um, that didn't change for a while. But, yeah, so you got to follow them in the locker room. Total chaos. Yeah. You yeah. Know, then you got press conferences and other stuff. And then you got all the portraits and all the things that go with that. And then there's a party. Like, they want you to be at the party shooting that. Um, so, yeah, it was, I mean... I wouldn't say it's like the most glamorous oh, it's thing not. sometimes. It's not. You know, like it, it's it's still work. Um, but being a part of that, like you, I still wouldn't trade it. I mean, knowing knowing that like, yeah, you're going to put in probably, a, you know, 23 hour day that day. Um, no, it was totally, totally worth it. But, um, you know, and then and then at the end, like, you know, you're taking you're all of that's done. You're taking the 40 cameras down. Right. Because at the finals, yeah, there's 40 cameras. There's remotes everywhere. And you're... Nate and Andy have half of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just insane. You know, and then everybody wants their picture on the court and, you know... With the trophy or near the trophy or with yeah. so-and-so. Right. Yep. Yeah. And you're just thinking, I want to go I home. I want to go home. I'm tired. Because we got to do a parade in a couple yeah, of days. Yeah, then you're doing the parade. Yeah. because right, it's not over. No, man. I mean, it's like... Oh, we got to prep the parade. Okay, who's going to be where? Yeah. Yeah. And then I always All remember... All the media's coming to you. Yes. Yeah. And, and I always remember there was always something. It was like... Then there was like the draft afterwards or, or something. So I, you just never really had a... Just, he was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would get a, you would get a break, but... It, you know, it wasn't long. Um, so yeah, oh. yeah, it was really, it was really crazy times. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with Robert. You can check out his work at his website, robertmora.com or on Instagram, Robert Mora photo. 
please click the like button if you enjoyed it. Also subscribe as well. You can always find our shows on the website, 